we took a, a respite, a little break from our Better Together, our, mar- our marriage and dating and marriage series when our missionary was in town. So we're going um, to stay in that track and we may, have, we may have one more next week. We'll see how today goes. I got lots, lots more pages than I can probably get to. Um, how many of you know you can't exhaust any one subject in the Bible, right? I mean, you can talk about it a little bit, but you can't exhaust it in just a few series. Is that true? So y'all are going to have to be like the Bereans. You're going to have to go home and study for yourselves, right? Learn a little bit. Grow a little bit. Is that true? Come on. And this is good for those looking, for, uh, looking to get married, too. You youngins, singles, right? This is good information for you. You want to you wanna improve yourself. Is that true? You want to you wanna make yourself as whole and complete as possible. I think the problem we run into in this society is that people that are getting married are thinking that their spouse is going to complete them. And that is a huge disappointment because your spouse isn't capable of completing you, right? There's only one capable of making you complete. Who is that? That's Jesus, amen? So when we go closer to Jesus, we can just by default, if both parties in a marriage will go closer to Jesus, by default you get closer together without even trying. Is that true? It's when we get in this trap of trying to make it work with each other and we just forget about going toward the Savior, going toward the King of Kings, right? I'm not saying we lay everything aside, but that focus, Jesus at the center, brings us naturally. You've seen that, that triangle illustration, right? When you first get married, you're at the bottom corners. You have no idea what you just got yourself into, right? And, and if you're unsaved, you're in the muck, you're in the mire, the sin and shame and guilt that keeps us all bogged down until we make Jesus the Lord of our lives. And then we're trying to, through the mud, wade toward each other. It makes no sense right? What makes the most sense is to get up out of the, the muck and the mire, right? Toward Jesus and grow closer together as we go close, closer to him. Is that true? So that's our goal. That's our, that's our plan of attack is to go closer to Jesus and then learn about our spouse, learn about who we need to be, right? In Christ so that we can be the best version of ourselves. Amen? Okay. Thank you, Lord. The, uh, Radio call came out. Did you guys hear about this? This uh, there was a shooting in Texas, and the radio came, call came out, and the officers responding to this domestic call, shots fired. He gets there, opens the front door, and it, the husband is laying there, holding his arm on the living room floor. Two fresh prints on the kitchen floor, just inside the kitchen. A gun on the countertop, and a wife mopping the floor. Clearly, something has gone awry. So he, the officer sees what's going on. Obviously, the husband's been shot. The gun's on the counter. The wife's mopping the floor. He says, there's a problem here. He tells his commanding officer, uh, it looks like the wife has shot the husband. And he said, well, good. Have you gone into arrest her yet? And he said, no, sir, I have not. And he said, why have you not gone in to arrest this woman? She shot her husband. He said, sir, the floor isn't dry yet. <laughs> Don't step on that wet floor. I'm telling you, it'll get you in trouble. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. I don't know what it is about marriage and dating that just requires a joke at the beginning, but y'all need to lighten up. Thank you, Jesus. I got a whole bunch of hard floor on, on, in my house, and I'm telling you what, when it's been mopped, you don't go anywhere near it because it's work. We'll fall, and it's work. It's a ton of work. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18 says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Everybody say comparable. 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 Come on now, that means we're like each other. Therefore a man shall leave, verse 24, His father and mother be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. 
come on now, it's our commonalities, right, that make us better together. That, that phraseology of opposites attract and extrovert versus introvert, those are true things, but those differences are actually the things that complement us and make us better. They're not opposites. Does that make sense? They're like puzzle pieces that fit together. And we've got to understand that in a relationship so that we can get along a little bit better and not expect things out of the other that they don't have in them. Expectations. We're going to talk a little bit about expectations today, which is pretty important. We said this last week that, that those that seem to make it long term in their marriage are those that have become or are working on becoming personally mature. You are a mature human being. There's a whole lot of immature. <laughs> Come on. You, you, you're in the same world I'm in, right? We're seeing a lot of different stuff. There, we, have, we have raised, unfortunately, a generation, several actually, of immature men and immature women. We have, and it's causing problems in the relationships because we have not worked on ourselves. We wanted to keep doing everything that we've been doing and not make any changes. And then, God forbid, somebody bring correction or bring something we could change, we get insecure and offended, upset, and we pull back. Come on, am I talking to some real people this morning? We've got to be able to handle some correction, right? And especially from the word and from the Lord, right? Especially, but we also need to hear this from our spouse. They want the best for us. Don't you want the best? For your mate, for your partner? Yeah, because their best means that you're experiencing better. Your best means they're experiencing better, right? But we've got to lay down some insecurities, this baggage that we've taken from the past, and just be willing to say, I, I can make some changes. I need to make some corrections. Is that true? The personally mature statistically make it longer than those who are not. We've got to be mature. That means we've got to be grown up, grown men and women in the word, understanding that God's working with us and trying to develop us and, and grow us, right? You are not perfect. You have not arrived. Yeah? <laughs> Mark 10, verse 6 says this, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. This is important to recognize that in the relationship, uh, especially in our day and age, that we can get really caught up on uh, doing our own things, right? You're married, and, and you live together, right? And you share things together, but you are literally living two different lives. Anybody seen that? It, it's damaging to the relationship. We've got to find a way to come together. The two shall come together, right? Not separate everything apart. We've got to find things that we can do together, have in commonality together. Not that we are joined at the hip 24-7, but there is something about living life together, learning to do life together, right? And it, it does make a difference in our marriages. I'm not saying you can't have anything separate. Like, for instance, Cody and I like different things. And there's some things that I like that she could just honestly do without forever. One of them is flying. I like to fly. If she never had to fly again, she would be okay. Right until Jesus comes, right? That's totally fine with her. But I like it. And she will, she will go with me. Uh, you know, when I finally get my license, I, I think she might go with me. But it will not be her favorite thing to do. Let's just say that, right? Dramamine is in her future, okay? Um, there are other things she likes to do that I'm not necessarily super thrilled with, like refinishing furniture. I'm super happy with her doing it. It looks awesome when she's done. I do not want to refinish furniture at all, right? But that doesn't mean we're growing apart. That just means we have things that we like to do that are therapeutic. Painting for her is therapeutic. I'd rather put needles in my eye. <laughs> Honestly, 
painting is just not my thing at all. But that doesn't mean that we're not doing life together. We enjoy each other's company. We hang out a fair amount, and uh, we get separation from the kids. Anybody figured that out? That's a really good thing, to separate from the children, right? Uh, there's been many nights where we're like, okay, bedtime. It's 6.30. Go to bed. <laughs> Go to bed right now, <laughs> Right? Uh, you just sometimes you just need a little bit of space. Is that true? But that doesn't mean we're um, separate in living our lives. We do things together, and you don't want to have a marriage where you're just roommates. Many, many, many people have fallen into that, and it's detrimental because you've got to find a way to connect and enjoy each other on different levels. You might not love what they love to do, but you can handle it. Right? It doesn't make you want to, you know, leave town. Right? So. There's things that we need to do to work on and, and be together. And we mentioned um, just a little bit about dating, which I covered a couple of weeks ago. But mind yourself, kids and young adults, right? Mind yourself with this word dating. It is not a Bible verse. It's not in the Bible. Make sure you study that out, what that looks like to actually date, to learn about this future spouse that you're courting. I'll let you, I'll let you go back and listen to that if you want to. Well, we covered that. We also covered... Um, different things about how we do things together, like when we make financial decisions and how we go on vacations and uh, where we go to church and how we spend our time. Like if all of your hobbies keep you away from your family, there's problems, right? Wives or husbands. If all of your hobbies keep you away from your family, that's an issue. That's a problem. That's something that needs to be corrected. You can have a hobby that keeps you away from your family a little bit, right? When you get some some downtime, some alone time, that should not be all your hobbies. You got to check yourself. You got to be willing to be corrected in something like that. Everybody okay? Still loving me so far? Okay. We got to be correctable. Is that true? And we don't get offended at Westside, right? We are unoffendable. Is that true? So I couldn't offend you even if I was trying. You'd be like, that poor guy, he just lost his mind this morning. (laughs) Nobody's getting offended. Amen? All right, turn with me to Philippians 4. Philippians chapter 4. This will help you your whole life with every relationship you will ever have, but especially especially in your marriage. Philippians chapter four. This is a familiar passage. Verse eight. Finally, brethren, say that's me. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, do what? Meditate on these things. Come on now. This is is interesting because right that very first one, you think, Whatever things are true. When you're thinking about your spouse, right, your husband, your wife, you've got to make sure that you're thinking the right things about them, right? You've got to make sure that you're focused on and meditating on the good that's about them, the good and what God is doing in their lives. It's important that we recognize this verse is for us in every relationship, in every thought process. God does not want us thinking about the negative, the downside, he does not, it, it is not helpful. Anybody figure that out? You start focusing on the negative, what happens? You just find more, right? And I'm telling you, you can find some stuff in your mate, in your spouse, in your future. You can. But he said, don't do it, right? And you get kind of get, you get to read in a verse like this, whatever things are true, and you get a little sass, like, well, let me tell you what's true. That rascal comes home in that condition one more time, be fitting me for an orange jumpsuit. I'll tell you, that's the truth. But that's not the kind of truth he's talking about, right? He's talking about what's true about him, what's true about her, that they are made in the image and likeness of God Almighty, amen, with a calling and a purpose and a destiny, that everything that they need for life and godliness is inside of them, right? Waiting to be mined out. It's in them, right? That's the truth. 
and what's pure and lovely and of good report, those are the things you meditate on. Is that true? I mean, this is something that will help you in every relationship, in every battle, in every struggle, right? In any storm, when, you're, when you are operating in faith, you're going to have to take this scripture and say, let me tell you what the truth is. This is what God said. Amen? You're dealing with your kids, you're dealing with your job, you're dealing with your future, whatever it is. This is what God said. He has plans for good for me. Yeah? We gotta focus on the positive. It's so important that we stay focused on the positive. If we don't, we end up in this trap of just downward spiral. Downward spiral. You know, when we operate in faith, anything we operate in faith in, We're going to believe God for something, right? We're going to see it. Faith sees it. It's a belief, sees it done. And then you start acting, taking action toward that belief, toward that, what you're having faith for. You start taking action toward it. If you're believing God for a car, it would be wise for you to check on how much the insurance is going to cost for the car that you want, right? What, what's, what kind of gas mileage is that car going to get, right? What kind of trips can you take with that? I, this is stuff that I think about. When dad and I were believing God for a plane, right? A plane is like one of those things that are kind of way out there that you think maybe someday when I'm retired. We're like, God's not limited. Let's believe God for a good deal. We started believing God for a plane, dad and I. And when we were doing that, before it, even before it ever happened, we, I was looking at trips. Okay, how long would it take me to fly from here to my friend's house to go visit them, right? I was looking at airports. I was looking at flight instructors. And then lo and behold, as you start working and taking action toward faith, positive action toward, it is enacting your faith. It's enacting your ability to believe and to see it come to pass. And it came to pass. I mean, got a phenomenal deal. It's fun. That's a total luxury. Total just God wanting to bless you. Nothing wrong with that. That's fun. It's fun, but you've got to see it and then start acting toward it. There's a story about a, a wife that came into a counselor and told this counselor, I want, to ha- I want to get a divorce. She was angry, upset, vengeful, I sh- dare I say. And she said, I don't want to just divorce him. I want him to hurt like he's made me hurt. Pain, pain in her voice. And the counselor gave, gave her an ingenious plan. He goes, this is what you got to do. He said, act as if, go home and act as if you really love him dote on him, praise him for every decent little trait, tell him how much he means to you, go out of your way to be kind and compassionate, spare no efforts to please him and enjoy him, make him believe that you love him. And then when you got him totally roped in, tell him you want a divorce and take everything away. And with almost an evil grin, she was like, that's perfect. That's what I want. Awful. So she did this exact thing. She went, she loved on him, she doted on him, she cared for him, she met these needs, told him how much she appreciated him. For two months, counselor never heard back. He called her up, he said, so what's going on? Are you ready to file for a divorce? And the woman said, absolutely not. I have discovered that I love this man. I am gonna stay with him. And see, the, the interesting thing is that when you fall away from that intentional, purposeful desire to go after and pursue your mate, your spouse, and to do nice things for them and to love on them, it's easy to fall away, to separate, to, to divide. It's easy to get angry and bitter and hurt. But she, with the wrong intention at the beginning, began to do the things that provide and make a great relationship. I mean, we just gotta be bigger than our circumstances as Christians, as spiritually mature people. N- none of us have perfect relationships. 
we're all dealing with stuff. Yeah? I mean, there's stuff that bugs you about your spouse that good night nurse. If you just let it get eat you, it would just night and day. But we, they're not, it's never going to be perfect. You cannot focus and dwell on that stuff. There are a lot of things. Everybody say there's a lot. That my spouse does good. Come on now, lots. That's what you focus on. The true, the noble, the just. Pure and lovely and of good report. If there's anything praiseworthy. There, it used to be kind of a common thought that the divorce rate, the marriage rate that it was falling out was largely in part to the men in the relationship. Just being disconnected, uh, unconcerned, right? I mean, this has been, this has been a, uh, a teaching and a thought process for a long time. And people with you know, some degree of balance would say, well, it's, it takes two to tango, right? It's, you, it's always once, you know, there's always two sides to every story or three if we're telling the truth, right? His side, her side, and the truth, right? So there's always something going on. But, but when you look at statistics just over the last 10 years, 70 to 80% of the divorces filed are filed by the woman, filed by the wife in the, in the relationship. And I think we have to address this as a church because things have changed just in the last 100, 150 years in Western culture. We have allowed ourselves to be shaped and molded by the world's view of what a romantic relationship looks like. And there's expectations that are honestly through the roof, and this is on both sides. I would say very unrealistic expectations in marriage relationships. And it's, it's a... It's a determining factor in this separation. And we see this because we come into marriage with this ideology that the world gave us that somehow this person's gonna like make everything work and it's all gonna be good and he's gonna do this and she's gonna do that and we're just gonna click on down the road. And in reality, there's a lot of things that have to be worked out in expectations. True? So I think if we're gonna come back to this, this culture that we had as a country, even just 100, 150 years ago. And let me give you a little history. Back in the you know, mid-1800s, you know, you've got massive gold rushes. These husbands are leaving their families because it's the Wild West, right? They're, they're walking, horses, buggies, whatever they can take, they're going to find their fortune, to claim land, to find gold, to make it big. True? I mean, we saw this, a mass exodus of men. And what happened was is when the men got to these towns and settled and tried to make uh, life work and make their fortune, guess what happened? It went from the West to the Wild West. It went crazy. They went nuts, right? These guys had no anchor, no help from a strong woman that demanded, right, some accountability. Exactly, some responsibility. You have to act a certain way. You can look this up. It's not very far back in our history. We had uh, pioneering women that were just strong, grounded, rooted, just knew what they wanted. And th- these women that w- were moving west and, and these men would just fight over these me- women with integrity that demanded some sort of accountability, some sort of consistency that you couldn't be a carouser and a, and a drunkard to court me. That's basically what they were saying. And they were fought over because these women were not easy to come by. They were... These guys were vying for the attention of these women with character. And so we see that the Wild West was tamed largely in part because women finally moved west, thank God, and settled some stuff down. It was wild out there. 
It was wild. And so these guys that could basically just have their pleasures fulfilled in brothels and drunk, drinking and all this stuff, they, had, they realized that now this isn't the way it's going to be at home. Like if you're going to have a wife and kids and settle down, you're going to have to act responsibly. Yeah? So bring that forward to today. We've got a bunch of women, right, that have just said, man, I, if, if he's going to stay with me, I'll do whatever. I'll t- keep, keep taking care of him, keep cooking for him, keep giving it up, keep... Right? Just keep, keep making him happy, and eventually, hopefully, he'll turn into this man I'm hoping him, he's going to be. And the truth is, is that is not the way. <laughs> that is not the way to make it work. Now, I'm not talking about manipulation. I'm talking about strength, fortitude, right? Ladies, you need to hear this, right? If you're looking for or your husband's a rascal, <laughs> you need to have some fortitude. It's okay to say no. Sometimes your husband needs to hear that. Yeah, it got real quiet. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. The dudes were like, what are you doing to me? I'm helping you. Because I'm telling you, we, we, guys, we need to come up to a higher standard. And ladies, we need to be held to a higher standard. We will rise to the occasion if you will settle for nothing less. I'm telling you. That's what we want. But let me help you with this. It is not through tools of manipulation and uh, forcing. and It's not through the, those tools. Those don't work. Lying, nagging, conniving, none of that works. The best way to to motivate your husband is to show respect in a strong way. You can be respectful to someone even if they're not being respectable. You can. You can. And the Bible requires it. That doesn't mean you're just a pushover, but you can be respectable. Every man requires, needs, desires, yearns for respect knowing that he doesn't always deserve it. Because in our minds, there's this, this battle, this thought process of, you know, you're, you know you could be doing better. You know, you know this could be better, right? You know you should be doing this, right? There's this battle, this almost like this rage against this security uh, or insecurity of saying, man, there's so much more I could do. But when your wife is reinforcing that and saying, yeah, you should be doing better, you could be doing better, <laughs> It's not helpful. It actually creates resistance. It creates a, a defense mechanism that you don't want. I had uh, uh, one teacher tell me that he overheard a husband and wife after he had just received an award at work and sat back down at the table with the award in his hand, and his wife leaned over and said to him, you've got everybody else fooled, but I know you're an idiot. <laughs> now, that seems really strong, but that kind of stuff is said in life, Right? This thought, I mean, you talk about tearing somebody down. That's awful. That is not going to help you, right? So I want to encourage you guys that there's, there's all kinds of stuff out there that the world says you got to call it like you see it, man. If they're not acting right, you just call them on the carpet, embarrass them if you have to. I mean, I'm telling you, ladies, if you want your husband to begin to walk and be the head of the house like he truly can be, you got to find a way to respect him in a strong, in a strong affirming way. Not easy, I know. I know. I'm talking to the ladies. I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. We got to look at statistics and see what's going on, right? If 70 to 80 percent of the divorces filed are happening by women, then there's some dissatisfaction on the woman's side. True, guys. I'm telling you, ladies. Guys, don't don't ever ever think about. Man, I really want to work on my marriage. That is just not in our thought process, right? We're working on the yard. We're working on the work. We're working on the truck. We're working on the house. 
We're working all the time. We like our marriage. It's good for us, right? Wife's, wife's there, kids are there. This is just one less thing on the checklist, right? Not to say that we won't ever, but it is not in us to go, man, I just want to grow really close to my wife. That's, that, you guys say that, right? And we can come along. We can get to a place. You can teach us how to, how to share our feelings and details. You can teach us some of these things. It won't happen every day, right? That's why you get, how was your day? It was fine. That's why you get one-word answers because we, we're, we're talked out. So you can teach us, you can help us, but you've got to understand we're different, right? We're different. That doesn't mean we don't want to work on it or we'll never, ever work on it. It just means this is not in our process. It is not in our thought process. It will help you to understand this so you don't get frustrated with your husband. Why is he not doing what I want him to do, right? When you ask, um, when you ask ladies to describe their typical man, their husband, their ideal husband, they'll give you things like, Um, He likes to share and to visit, right? Have good conversation, uh, to spend time together, care about the details, remember the important things, right? They basically describe their favorite girlfriend, right? And men make terrible girlfriends, (laughs) terrible. This, This is something we've got, we have to understand. If you put all your chips on your mate, guys or girls, right? Husbands, you can't put all your chips on your mate and expect her to fulfill everything you. Ladies, you cannot put all your chips on your husband and expect him to fulfill everything for you. You need friends and family outside of your marriage, right? Girls need to have girlfriends. Boys need to have guy friends, okay? You need to make sure that you guys are clear on the terminology, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't work for wives to have their best friends outside of their marriage to be guys. That's a recipe for disaster. It doesn't work for guys to have some of their best friends at work to be girls. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. That's dangerous, right? But you need to have friends. It's good to have couple friends because then you're held accountable to each other, right? But girls need to talk to girls and share and vent, right? There's a reason for this stuff that helps us to be whole and complete, complete human beings. Your spouse was never designed to complete you, right? These movies like, you complete me. It's just a total farce. Right? It is an expectation that's so high, you will, it will never be reached, and it causes division. You see that? So if you don't have friends outside of your marriage relationship, you need to get some, right? In the same gender, be smart, and be accountable to your spouse, where you're spending time and how you're spending time. Yeah? This will help you a lot when you understand my wife is not going to be able to give me everything that I need as a man. She is my spouse. We are one. We're together. We do life together. We enjoy hanging out together. But there are things that I need outside of that. Yeah? Uh, playing golf, right? Flying, right? We talked about that. I mean, it's, it's just nice to get out and do some other stuff and have some guy talk. There's things you can say to each other that you wouldn't say necessarily in mixed company. Accountability, all kinds of stuff. You need it. You guys see that? It's, it, we're designed to be around people. That's why we're designed to come together as a church, right? To be together, to, to love on each other, to be there for each other. You see that? It's important. We definitely, definitely want do different things. Men like to conquer. We like to protect. We like to provide, right? We are, we are not sharers. We don't like to share. That is not in us. We will. We can share some things, but it is not in us. Yeah? Okay. <laughs> It's important. It's important that you know these things. So 
let's tackle, for just a minute, let's tackle some unrealistic expectations. We've got we've to understand that even if we've been married for a long time or, we're, or we just got married or we're about to be married, that you have expectations in you for your spouse that are going to be in some way, shape, or form unrealistic for them to, to fulfill. Um, a wife told this story to a counselor friend of mine, and she said that um, when she was early in marriage, seven or eight years, she realized that her expectations for her husband were not only many and varied, but they were virtually unrealistic for any man to fulfill, let alone her own husband. So she sat down, and she wrote down her expectations, and it, she filled up five pages, right? We get our expectations from all over the place. We get them from television, from our parents, from friends, kids, kids parents we grew up with. Right, television. By the way, is a terrible place to get your expectations. Just so, just so you know. But we we do um, acquire these expectations from all different sources. We they come in and somehow we uh, lay this burden down on our spouse. And what she did is she wrote all these things out. She put these expectations in a shoebox. She took her husband's hand. She went into the backyard. She dug a hole, and they had a funeral. <laughs> for the expectations that she had on her marriage. And what she told this counselor is that this all happened 25 years before she told this story. So it's 25 years later, and she said, I have never been happier because I laid down everything that I had expected him to do and just decided that I would live life in the balance that God created us. Not that she expected zero, but she made her expectations realistic to the relationship. Your expectations can make your relationships really, really good or really, really hard really good or really hard. And God wants us to be realistic. He wants us to trust him. He, we, he wants us to look for our completeness and our wholeness in him. That's the only way you're gonna feel complete and whole in your relationship. If you're looking to a person to fulfill the role that God was destined to fill, you will be dissatisfied. So if you're single and you're thinking about this, you need to learn to become the best version of you that you are. You need to be whole and complete before you get to marriage. Because otherwise you're bringing in baggage into that marriage where you're not complete. You didn't deal with your issues. You didn't handle the stuff that happened in your past. You didn't wholeheartedly, right, submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When you do that, you become the prize to be sought after. Men and women. I like to say this. If you're running a race and you're running after the things of God and you're seeking Him and you want to be married, just keep running toward God. And if somebody comes alongside of you and they're running about the same pace and they're with you, then maybe you could take a minute to say, you know, this one might be the one. We're both pursuing God in the same direction at the same time. God brought us together, right? But we've got a whole generation of people that they are looking to start life after they find Captain America, right? Right? We've got we've to be the best version of us first. True? First Peter 3 says this, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. That just means physically, okay? Not inferior. That's not what the word says. It does not say inferior. It says weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. But look at the beginning of that. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding. That means, husbands, you need to try to understand your spouse, your wife. You need to make an effort to understand where she's coming from to understand what her expectations are, to understand uh, her needs and her desires. You cannot just hope that it comes to you in a dream. The Bible says you've got to dwell with them with understanding, right? That means you're going to have to learn something. Fellas, you've got to learn something. You've got to make an effort, true? And you give honor to her 
Because physically, like in general, let's just talk in general, physically, men can lift more than women, right? If she says, can you go get that out of the car? It's too heavy for me. Yes, honey, I'd be happy to do that, right? Not, well, who got it in the car? <laughs> You're missing the whole point, right? The whole, you just missed, failed, right? So you give honor to your wife because she is deserving of honor. True? <laughs> Respect, ladies, is not earned. It's given because of position. It's given because of position. Ephesians 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, for he who loves his wife loves himself. Come on, there's, there's some riches in here. You can go back and read this in context. I'm skipping just for time. Go down to verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that, that she respects her husband. Ladies, if you will learn to show respect to your husband, let your husband be the leader. Let him be the head of the house. He will by default allow you to be the neck. And you know what the, you know what the neck does, right? Let's be smart, right? We, we want to go in the right direction. We, we need some help in our directional capabilities. Our compass doesn't work super good unless you're helping, okay? I will admit it. If you got, you, fellas, you need to learn to admit that. Your compass does not work super great without your wife helping. But ladies, if you will respect your husband and let him be the leader, he will let you be the neck and help him to direct and turn. I'm telling you, it'll help you. It'll help you. There's a hierarchy and an order that God established and we have usurped God's plan and we've tried to take, take over. You know, wives that are frustrated with their husbands have said, well, if you're not gonna lead, I'm gonna lead. I'm telling you, that burns the relationship down. You've got to be willing to say, okay, Lord, you gave me this husband, everything inside of him, everything inside of him you put in there, right, that to be a good husband, to be a good man. I know it's in there. It needs to be mined out, but it's in there because he's destined for this. Marriage in itself works. It's DNA works. We don't have to work marriage. Marriage works. God created it. We know it works. We just got to do it God's way. Amen? I think this will help you. So let's, let's purpose, right, in our relationships to recognize unrealistic expectations, to choose to look at the good and not the bad, right? Those socks are still on the floor. Just, just I, I can't even see those right now, just, right? Just find a way to just kick some stuff. Out of the way, don't let it get under your skin. It's designed to get under your skin, to cause division. Stay away from everything that would cause you to be divided, right? Strife, arguments, find common ground. Find a way to uh, find common ground in any situation, to work it out, to talk. Don't get offended, right? Don't be insecure about the conversation, if it has, especially when it pertains to you. Be grown, be mature, right? Say, I can handle this. I can make changes. I am not perfect. If you will just say that to yourself out loud, it will just, it will bring tension down. It'll help you, amen? There's just some things we've got to go home and look at and say, okay, what have I expected out of this that's just not realistic? It'll help you. True? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So let me, let me finish with this, that we don't need we don't need women to be weak and run over. That is not what I'm saying at all. At all. Respecting your husband does not mean that you are weak. You respect your husband and you operate in strength and integrity because you, sh you should put some demands. There should be some demands 
and expectations on performance, on attitude, on what they're doing. If, if he's being a knothead and a rascal, then some changes need to be made. Is that fair? I mean, we're just going back 150 years with women like, huh, not in my house. You're sleeping in the barn, right? And if you've got a barn, you might need to sleep in the barn. We just got to be, we got to be strong, men. We got to, we got to rise to the occasion and be the men God created us to be, right? All that old stuff that you used to think you like to do, you can't do that stuff anymore, right? You got to be a man. You got to be grown. You got to be mature. That's what being a man is about. And sadly, we don't have a ton of good examples of that in our society, but we can find them in here in our word, right? We can find them in the scripture. True. So we men, we've got to rise up. We've got to be respectable. We've got to make it easy on our wives to look to us and go, that's my husband. Come on, make it easy on her. Don't make it hard. Wives, you've got to be honorable. You've got to be honorable to your husband. You've got to do the things that are hard even when you don't want to. You've got to do it. But I'm telling you, when you start working together in this way, even if just one, like that story of the lady that went home with the wrong attitude, right, to get back at him, she found that if she would just praise him, and look to his good attributes and tell him how much she cared about him and loved him and respected him, the feelings followed. We don't make these decisions because we have feelings. We make these decisions because of the right thing to do and the feelings follow. Anybody figured that out? If we are basing our relationships on feelings, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Feelings are fickle. They're up and down. Is that true? So we've got to be strong. We've got to be strong men and women, pursue the things of God, honor our spouses, and recognize these expectations. Yeehaw. So <clears throat> I, don't, I don't teach on marriage a ton. And the reason is, is, is back to that triangle example. I believe you can get all kinds of resources, good, godly, Christian resources that will help your marriage if you want to grow and, and get better in your relationship. And guess, guess what the percentage is of women that buy those books? It's, a, it's huge. It's high. It's not, the guys are rarely picking up marriage books. Honey, look what I got. It's rare, right? The gals are picking them up. They're reading them. But I'm telling you, if we will look at that triangle picture and just pursue Jesus, go after him, we will draw closer and closer together. And it's important that we do. Amen? Amen. So I don't teach on marriage a ton because as we pursue Jesus, as we go after him, our marriage by default will get better. If both husband and wife are pursuing Jesus, right? You think, oh, it can't happen unless you work on this and this and this. It can because the pursuit of him, the pursuit of Christ, the pursuit of who's on the inside of you will make you a better person. And you'll, you'll intuitively make decisions and changes in your life that will help your marriage because you're following after him. So in a specific series like this, I don't do this a ton because I believe we're hitting, hitting it in lots of other areas when we're learning to walk by faith and be led by the Holy Spirit, right? And spend time in the word and be mission-minded. All these things are helping us and driving us to be better. Husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, all of it. Can you see that? So don't let this, don't let this slip from your fingers. Recognize what it is. Don't, please, for the love, please don't go home and say, did you hear what he said to you? <laughs> <laughs> were you writing that down, right? You have missed the point, right? Take this for yourself. Take this on yourself and say, this is what I need to change. This is how I can make a correction. This is, I'm telling you, when you start following God in that way, that pattern, things will begin to get better just because you're making an effort. You'll say th- see things differently, yeah? I mean, that's just how the word works. God is not 
trying to get you to change anybody. He is always, always trying to get you to make corrections to you, right? When you do that, mm, so much better, so much better. Do you know you're not going to stand before the Lord with your spouse? You're going to give an account for your life, what you did. Did you honor what I told you to do, right? Well, that woman you gave me, yeah. Okay, Adam, pointing at Eve again, right? You're going to be there by yourself. You're going to give an account for you, what you did. True? So let's, let's be the best us we can be, right? For ourselves, for our kids, for our spouses, for the kingdom of God. Amen? Can I pray for you?